Ever think about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today. Hi, everyone. This is Jordana from Drink It In underscore Jordana here with season eight, the miracle season. I'm so excited for you to hear each episode where I interview so many fascinating people with miraculous stories, big and small. Don't forget to share, comment below, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordana Baracha from Drink It In underscore Jordana, and we are in season eight of my podcast. Unbelievable. This is the miracle season. I am so thrilled today to introduce you, which probably he needs no introduction, to Hillel Fold. Um, we have connected over Instagram and we converse here and there. And his story is just outstanding. He's a man that has reinvented uh, himself and he definitely knows how to help others reinvent themselves. And I think that's what makes him so unique and so special. All the kindness uh, that he does for others. It's just unbelievable in many ways, shapes and forms. And, and what's even more amazing, he's always shocked by it. He's always amazed. I see, you don't even see, but right now he just shook his head when I said that. Because he's so, he doesn't, he doesn't like it. He doesn't believe it. I'm but, actually blushing here, Jadana. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, hello, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everybody a little bit of background. I'm Hill Fold and I am a Jordana fanboy. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, obviously, you know what I think that you do incredible work. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a follower. Um, yeah, so I'm Hillel from New York originally, been in Israel uh, almost 30 years and um, living in Beit Shemesh, living the life in Israel and um, been a geek since as far back as I can remember and found myself very coincidentally, accidentally, luckily working in the field of technology in Israel, which just in case some of your listeners are not familiar Israel, uh, a country smaller than New Jersey in the worst neighborhood on earth, is dominating every sector of technology without exception. And um, it's a fun ride. I get to meet the most remarkable people every day and still haven't figured out why they want to talk to me, but I'll play along until everyone realizes that I'm full of garbage. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm having a good time. Kid in a candy store. Kid in a candy store. That's the bottom line. Have everyone picked up on the little imposter syndrome there right now? A little um, bit. <laughs> Okay, so what's also very fascinating about Hello, the audience might not realize, you know, that's all that wonderful stuff. But when you go and look at Hillel's content and content's importance, right, Hillel? When you look at Hillel's content. The third C. The third C, okay. When you look at his content, it's it's that he's a big picture. It's not about the tech. It's about the person. It's about what he represents. It's what he gives over. It's his weekly uh, divrei Torah. Uh, for a while, it was his uh, daf yomi takes. You know, I miss those. Hello. That's um, really great. Rub it in. Rub it in. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna get back to it. I'm gonna get back. To okay. It. Yeah. Or or his pictures with his tefillin. Um. Or just. Or then you get to see the playful side when he's busy with his drones. Um, and then you see the family man when he has beautiful pictures with his children. Or then you see the creative side of Hillel when he takes the pictures of the nature and those beautiful, those droplets on the flowers or the insects. And then again, you see the playful side when he loves the cars that he comes across. So it's not, so Hillel's multifaceted and he really represents 
I feel, and I'm sure my audience will feel once they get to know you a little bit or they, if they know you, how you really represent a Jew in the world today. You really represent so well. You incorporate so many aspects and it's so beautiful. Am I, am I still making you blush? Your check is in the mail, Jordana. <laughs> I should hire you for PR. Listen, you know, uh, again, I, I'll take the compliments. Thank you. I appreciate it. But really, I think that people just are afraid to own their identity. Whatever it is, you're, you know, people say to me all the time, you know, is your, is your yarmulke an obstacle? Not only is it not an obstacle, but because I own it, right? Because I do the delivery tour, because I am strictly kosher and I make that very clear to my audience, which is, you know, largely secular, if not Jewish, people not only is it not about people respect me for it. So like I tell the story often that one of my last trips to Silicon Valley, I was meeting with a guy who is the senior, uh, the chief product officer at Google, literally the guy who reports straight to the CEO of Google. You don't get much higher at Google. And it, it, I was in Silicon Valley and I went to meet him, uh, not in a business context, just, you know, a, a social context. And I come into his office and the guy has a massive platter on sushi on his desk. And I'm like, Bradley, what, what's that? He goes, I know you're strictly kosher. There's no kosher food in Silicon Valley. So I got it you know, ordered and catered from outside of Silicon Valley. And this is a guy who literally leads all products at Google. And he was conscious enough of the fact that I am strictly kosher because he follows me and he sees it. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm proud of it. And so I don't really, you know, you, you, you made me sound like some kind of rock star. I, this is who I am. And I just, you know, I just share it. That's all. I mean, I love cars. I love food. I love Israel. I love Judaism. So I share it. It's not, you know, I'll say it this way. It's sad that that's such a big deal. Like, why doesn't everyone share themselves? Like, why doesn't everyone stand up and own their identity? So I have a good time. You know, I'm enjoying it. I love it. It's not, none of this is, a, you know, I know it sounds funny, but none of this is like a marketing strategy. I don't like share a post of Maserati in hopes that Maserati is going to send me a car. Like, that's not how I operate. I, I see a beautiful car. I take a picture of it. That's it. Right. He would like the Maserati anyway, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> but all but all seriousness, okay, there were two things that you said that I really want to touch on. When you said that this is you and you're just putting yourself out there. And it's sad sometimes that there's not more people that put themselves out there. And I could relate to that because, you know, I was just in Israel recently. Um, we had a bar mitzvah trip for my son and we hired a tour guide and he was awesome. And when I had said to the tour guide in advance, you know, just you have to put it into the plan. We have to stop for Mincha. And he's like, oh, I said, well, don't most people ask you that? He said, unfortunately, not enough. Not enough. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I get that. That's you powerful. Know, it is powerful. Powerful on the one hand, what that reality is and powerful what it says beautifully about my children. Um, <laughs> but um, that I understand that. And then talking about what is a miracle. Um, I have my own view of what a miracle is. And believe it or not, the way you just described yourself, you would have described yourself as a miracle honestly. But before I get to my description of what I think a miracle is, how do you, how do you define a miracle? Wow. Um, you know, so at the risk of sounding cliche, I apologize, but I think that things become cliche because they're true. Um, I mean, I don't think, you know, again, I know this is going to sound cliche, but I don't care. Like, I don't think people understand, like, what are the chances? Jordana, listen, listen to this. Okay. What are the chances? Let's look at humanity. Okay. Look at history, right? Look at the entire spectrum that is human history, the, what had to happen, right? The sequence of events that had to happen for me to be sitting in Beit Shemesh, Israel, on Zoom, talking to this person, Jordana, on the other side of the world and having this discussion on the internet in 2020, like 
this is a miracle. Like every single word that I'm letting out of my mouth right now is a miracle. Like we open our eyes in the morning and again, sorry, it's a cliche, whatever. Let it be a cliche. Like, do you understand what had to happen? You're in the shama had to go back into your body. Like what? That's a miracle. Like, you know, there's a, there's a famous um, comedian who talks about the miracle of flight, right? Aviation, right? We're like, you know, he has a whole thing and he says like, you know, there's now Wi-Fi on planes and he was on a plane and then the Wi-Fi broke down and then the captain gets on and says, guys, sorry, the Wi-Fi is down. And the guy sitting next to him is like, oh my God. And he's like, how quickly the world owes him something. He didn't even know existed 10 seconds ago. And he goes, every person on every plane should just constantly be saying, oh my God, I'm flying. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a miracle. Everything's a miracle, you know, on the one hand. The flip side of that is that I am a very Rambam Jew. Like I'm very, my feet on the ground. I'm not a big voodoo kind of guy. I know you're maybe more into Kabbalah than I am, but things happen in this world that are, uh, you know, we say there's no such thing as a as Nisim Gluim, as open miracles today, but I, uh, I'm going to push back on that. And I can tell you that in my personal life, you know, I don't want to get too heavy, but you know, you're familiar with the story by brother Ari, who was tragically murdered in a terrorist attack four years ago. The guy was a walking miracle. Everything about him, from his life to his death. I mean, just to give you one example, among literally hundreds, he was stabbed by a Palestinian kid in a main artery in his neck, and he was dead instantly. Like, he had no blood in his veins. And somehow, miraculously, he ran after the terrorist 50 meters, jumped over a wall, and shot the guy. The doctors do not know how he did that. That is a miracle. That is a blatant miracle, like the splitting of the sea, right? His name, and I'm not going to get into it now, but his name, which my parents named him 50 years ago, just because they liked the name, is literally his, his, his entire identity and autobiography in his name. And my name, same story, right? My name is Hillel Chaim Shlomo. And anybody who follows me knows that, what do I love to do? I love to praise others. Hillel is to praise. What is Chaim? It's life. When I praise, I feel alive and I feel whole. And Shlomo is my second name, Shalem, whole. Is that a miracle that my parents named Hillel Chaim Shlomo and I became this person who, you know, literally that is my entire life. So to me, these things are blatant miracles. So there are quote-unquote, ordinary miracles, as in day-to-day miracles, which are hard to maybe recognize, then there's real miracles that cannot be denied, like the state of Israel, for example. Right, right. So you ready for my definition, hello? Yes, please. Okay, so my definition is based on the Torah. When it uses the word nace in the Torah, it's really referring to a pole, an amud, and that when Moshe Rabbeinu had to make this nachash nachosh at this copper snake, and Hashem says, put it on a nace, put it on the pole for everybody to see. It's a banner. It's an advertisement. Banner. That's the word. Yes. yes. It's a banner. It's an advertisement. And so when Hashem, when God, this almighty does a, a miracle, what we call this supernatural miracle, he's advertising to the world, his superpower. Look, look, God is here. But then right. we as humans, when we do things, and that's why I said you're, you yourself are a miracle, because when you said, you know, you're just proud about who you are and you're just letting the world know about it. You are a banner. You're an advertisement. You're an advertisement, an amazing advertisement for the Jewish people because you're so well-founded. You. You're welcome. So that's why I said you yourself. Yeah, these are amazing stories that you're telling us about you know, other family members and stuff like that. But just you yourself and what you do on a daily basis can be defined as a miracle by just being a banner. I mean, okay, I'll take it. But um, I, I, just, I just think that like, you have a responsibility. Like we just do, you know, I mean, I don't know if you saw, I met with today. Um, do you see what I met oh, with yes, today? yes, 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 yes. So like, you know, so I'm, I really don't want to get too much into it, but you know, some of your listeners might've seen my, or my unorthodox life, which was, 
I think the epitome of the Chil Hashem, like it just made Jews look like whatever. Right. And it, okay, we don't know how to get into it. it doesn't matter. We're point not is, into that, <laughs> okay. The point is, the point is, Miriam Hart, the daughter from the show, uh, reached out to me on LinkedIn, and she's in Israel and she wants to meet founders. And so we we had you know we had coffee this morning, and I posted a picture like I always do, and you know I got a lot of pushback from people saying, you know, why are you meeting this person who made Jews look so bad? And if you're meeting her, why are you not telling her? And I'm like, you don't get it. Like, you just don't get it. You, you think that you're going to shove religion down people's throats? Be a mensch. Be a, be a good person. And I want to tell you that I don't, I can't really name names, but I got a message an hour ago from someone who's very, very close with her, with Miriam, and said that Miriam wrote her that I had a, a tremendous impact on her. And I'm pretty much the first religious person she ever met that didn't make her feel like she wanted to throw up, you yeah. know? So that's more effective than giving her and saying, you know, giving her muster and saying, no, 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 that's not effective. So I just feel like we have a role in this world. We got to, you know, when I write my different Torah, I don't write about, you know, I don't know what irrelevant Torah lessons. I take Torah and I apply it to business because every single Torah portion has a lesson for life and for business. And so my audience, that's again, totally secular. They now have, you know, they are exposed to Torah in a way that's completely different than the way they perceived it pre-Hillel. Right. So again, I just feel that like this is our job. I don't know. Right. Probably maybe that's the way we connected so much is because we present Torah in, in a similar fashion. That... You're a lot smarter than me, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. Definitely, you know, kind of get it. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, no, I, I, because I, I find that I just got a message just yesterday and I posted about this from an old parent. Um, it was so interesting that connected with me on Facebook and he had commented that he remembers that my, his kids had me as a teacher. And until he saw the videos, he didn't understand what his children always were talking about. And now he got to see it firsthand. And he said, he goes, I'm an intellect and I love intellect. He said, but you're inspiring. Uh-huh. So, so, you know, it's very, it's very interesting that I think in today's day and age, because of technology, we have all this information at our fingertips. If I want all the facts, I could get it off the computer. I could ask of Google any question I want, right? I, but this is not going to give me any inspiration. This little laptop I'm on, this internet, this web doesn't give me the inspiration. It's the, it's the personalities. It's the authenticity. It's the real, as you had said, be, people that are grounded like you or people like me are able to give people that inspiration in different shapes, forms, and sizes. I'll um, first of all completely agree with every word you just said. I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe um, phrase it a little differently, and that is that I think that on the internet we have access to data and information. Okay. What we don't have access to is wisdom. Okay, I like that. I like that. Wisdom is acquired through experiences. Wisdom sits in people's heads, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you can tap into the wisdom of a person like Jordana who shares her wisdom on the internet, that's a whole different ballgame. Now we're not talking about information and data. We're talking about wisdom and that and wisdom creates inspiration. Right. Oh, I like that. Ooh, thank you. Hello. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's go back to miracles and not talk about me. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I would love to hear a miracle story about you. Hello. I want to focus on you. I don't want to, I mean, I, I find your, your brother's stories is unbelievable and amazing, but I want hello. Okay. So, I, I mean, again, Listen, there are people like the Rambam who explain Kriyasiyam to the splitting of the sea in a natural way, right? So you can really look at any miracle and say, no, 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 it's natural. It's not a miracle. But again, that it's all about your perspective. Clean your glasses, right? If you think Kriyasiyam was not a miracle from God, then you, you have to like get new lenses or something, right? right? So I think 
I think my entire career is one big miracle because here I am, some random dude who's not an engineer, who's never built a billion dollar company or had any massive successes, but it's, I'm just a random guy who started writing about technology on the internet many, many years ago, ignored everyone when they told me um, how to make money and they told me this business tip and that, I just ignored everyone. I went all in on my passion, which was technology and writing. And what, what, what transpired over the next 15 years Again, I'm, I, these things, the events that have happened to me are impossible. And I'm not saying impossible figuratively speaking. I mean, like statistically impossible. Okay, so just to give you one example, right? So one of the decisions I made many years ago was to start interviewing people. And that, again, ties back to the whole empowerment of others. Start interviewing people. And I, I aimed really, really like unattainably high. Okay, so one of the people at the top of my list was Steve Wozniak. For those that don't know, the founder of Apple and the man who invented the home computer, just so you understand that when he invented the computer, he was told no one wants a computer at home. That that like he had this that level of vision. Anyway, I said I want to interview Steve Wozniak. Now, I, I, my my other side and my second personality, my Yetzirah, said to me, "Who the heck do you think you are? Who? Why would Steve Wozniak even like look at you? Let alone be agreed to be interviewed? But who the heck do you think you are?" And then I shut that voice down. I said, "I'm going all in on my passion." And I reached out. I, you know, I did a little research in terms of where I reached out. Long story short, I'm going to just skip ahead a couple of years. I interviewed him, and then he came to Israel, and he called me, and I get a phone call. I'm sitting at home, and I get a phone call. Hi, hello, this is Steve. And I'm like, Steve who? He's like, it's Steve Wozniak. I'm like, all right, come on. Who is this pranking me? Like, you're not Steve. Who the hell is going? He's like, no, it's, it's Steve Wozniak. I'm in Israel for, for a day. Let's have breakfast. And I find myself in a Tel Aviv hotel lobby with the man who invented the computer, which in and of itself could not get more surreal, could not get more impossible. And again, I use that word very deliberately because statistically, the chances of a guy in Beit Shemesh, Israel, sitting in the lobby of a hotel with the founder of Apple is statistically impossible. It makes no sense. But it got even crazier because here I am sitting with this guy and there's an incoming rocket from Gaza and I had to rush him to a bomb shelter. So I found myself in a bomb shelter with the founder of Apple. Now, if that's not an impossible scenario, if that's not a miraculous scenario, then what is, right? That's just one example. I could tell you literally hundreds of stories of things that have happened to me over my career. You know, Jadana, when we were growing up, one of the most popular TV shows was Who's the Boss, right? We all grew up on Who's the Boss and everyone had a crush on Alyssa Milano, right? Everyone had a crush on Alyssa Milano. When I joined Twitter, I followed her, right? Fast forward a couple of years, she follows me back. I am now friends with Alyssa Milano, right? When I grew up watching Alyssa Milano on TV, do you think in my, forget, I, I wouldn't even have the chutzpah to even dream of being friends. It was such a ridiculous notion, but it happened. Ellen DeGeneres follows me on Twitter. Like, what? So these might seem like trivial things. It's not about the Ellen DeGeneres thing. It's about the fact that just going in on your passion and loving what you do and ignoring everyone that gives you short-term advice leads to miracles, period. All those, those two stories that you just told, right? Again, that I think that honestly goes back, if I may say, to my definition again, because you had spoken about all in on my passion. That was the exact words that you said. I am all in on my passion. And so what you demonstrated to yourself time in and time again, you became a banner for yourself. You became an advertisement and you said, this is who I am and I'm going to do it. And you said, I'm shutting that other voice down. And I'm going to take it one step further. If you take the word nace in Hebrew, it's a nun and a samich. Nun always represents nifila to fall. And a samich always represents to get up and support. So when a human being has fallen and they could rise up again after they've felt down and they could come up 
they need to say to themselves, look at me, I'm an ace. That's what I did. I fell and I got up. And that, and that, and I, that uh, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, so that voice that you're able to say, quiet down. I'm, I'm, I'm amazing. I'm awesome. I'm going to do this. I'm Whoa. Stars. Whoa. I never said I'm awesome and amazing. I never said that. What? Wait, not egotistically. <laughs> I meant it in a positive way. This, I know, this, I know, this I is know. my love and I'm going to go for it. And I right. think that became your banner. That right. became, so, yeah. It's like music to my ears, what you're saying. You know, I, I often, I've written articles about this, but I, I often talk about the analogy to a bicycle, right? Okay. A bicycle is like life, right? You're, if you're going, if it's, if it's hard, if you're struggling, it's because you're going uphill, right? That, right. that means you're, you're struggling because you're going uphill. And if, you, if things are too easy, by the way, like my late brother used to say, if, if life is easy, you're living it wrong. If life is too easy, then you're going downhill. And if you stand still, you're going to fall. You can't stand still. You got to keep moving. So I, you know, I definitely agree with the concept of you know, falling down and getting up again. And in fact, that's when people ask me, what's the most important characteristic of an entrepreneur? That is it, resilience, the ability to fail and get up again. That's mm-hmm. like, literally, if you'd ask me, what is the most important characteristic that a person can have? That's it, resilience. Right, yeah. So I think that, that that definitely sums you up. But there must be some, besides all your business stuff, you have another one for us, another miraculous story that could wow the audience. Oh, boy. I mean, I, again, not not Ari's name. That's too heavy, right? Right. I mean, heavy. listen, I, you know, I came here at the age of 15 to Israel. Now, you know, maybe some of your listeners remember what it used to be like to live in Israel. Like, I, I literally remember when we had to import tuna fish. I'm not, I'm not kidding around. We did not have tuna. Like, forget, let alone like Tropicana or freshly squeezed oranges. We didn't have tuna. Like, it was, it was unlivable. I'm not, not unlivable. That's a little bit of exaggeration. But it was, it was hard. I came here at 15 in the middle of high school. Like, that's like a recipe for trauma. That's like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> and here I am 28 years later, loving every second of it, living in this, you want to talk about miracles? I mean, are you like, okay, what about the state of Israel is not a miracle? Like what in the, every single thing about this, this reality that we're living in? You know, I often quote the statistic from my father, which I think is incredibly meaningful and powerful, especially coming from my father who sacrificed his son. Um, he says that people think of Israel, they think, oh, you know, suicide bombers and terrorist attacks and wars. But if you look at the grand scheme of things, there has never been a 74-year period. This is so profound. There has never been a 74-year period in the history of the Jewish people since the destruction of the Second Temple that so few Jews have been killed. I mean, just think about that. Israel is protecting us, right? I mean, there was the Inquisition, there were the pogroms, there was the Holocaust, there was there was always something. And so every life that's lost is a tremendous tragedy and it's a whole world. And I'm not belittling that, but this entire existence of the state of Israel coming back home after thousands of years, let alone the fact that the UN gave it to us, the UN, which is the most rotten anti-Semitic, I mean, they gave it to us like that. So literally you choose anything, any component of living in the modern state of Israel, you name it. Business, living, you know, quality of life, materialism, spirituality, the Kotel, it's all one big miracle. Everything about my life is a miracle. Living in the state of Israel after thousands of years in exile, what kind of civilization could have stayed, you know, true to its, its, its tradition after thousands of years being spread all around the world? How on earth have the Jewish people survived and now back in Israel flourishing and literally changing the world? If that's not a miracle, then what is? Right. And it's so interesting you said that because on another trip that I just came back from, <laughs> from Israel, I was on that momentum trip. And we had this speaker 
he was unbelievable. I'm like looking at my notes right now to see if I could find it. He was just outstanding, this speaker. I think it was like my second date there. Um, huh. What do you talk about? Let's see if I can figure it out. He's He works for the um, birthright. He's like okay. sucking up on the birthright. Boaz, maybe. And he and he said, he said something similar to what you're saying. And I think even when he was talking, I'm like, oh, Hillel would like him. Um, he was talking about how so often we on the out, the, we define ourselves by our tragedies. Right. The Jewish nation. And we shouldn't. It's always, uh, you know, the six day war, 67, you know, everyone is 73. We're, every, we're known, we right. know these years by the wars and the terrorist attacks. But what about all of our triumphs? Right. We have, to, he, and he was trying to ingrain in us that we shouldn't play the victim anymore. We're victorious. Right. It, yep. it, like you're just saying, like, just think about us. Look how victorious we are. Right, what right. type of banner do we want to give off again that NACE? What type of banner, yep. what advertisement do we want to give to the people? Do we want to give this, oh, poor us, the Jewish people? Or do we want to say, wow, look at us, the Jewish people, how awesome we are. And I think that's probably one, one of the things that, that, that you're so great at as well. Um, you're like I said, you're a great advertisement. You're a great banner because you're always focusing on our greatness. Do, do you, I mean, do you know like how disproportionate the Jewish people are in terms of the amount of Nobel Prizes we've won? I know, right? Like it is again, like how could you not call it a miracle? But you know what? Forget forget Nobel Prize. Okay, just my world, right? Just technology, okay? Again, a country smaller than New Jersey and the most unstable region on planet Earth, okay? Israel has more entrepreneurs per capita than any country in the world, but forget per capita. Look at the absolute numbers, okay? On Wall Street, on Wall Street, on the public markets, the country with the most companies on Wall Street is the United States of America, 350 million people. The second one is China, one and a half billion people. The third one, Israel, nine million people. Like, I mean, across, you know, any technology, I mean, iPhone users, if you're listening, you're an iPhone user, every time you unlock your phone, Every time you unlock your phone, that's Israeli technology. Every time you Google something and it says, did you mean this? Google, that's Israeli technology. Every time you go to go to Facebook and use Oculus or use a, a stripped down version of Facebook that's in emerging markets, that's built in Israel. Microsoft Ventures, now in 40 countries, built in Israel. That, that, it makes no sense, right? Every top tier investor in the world is in Israel. Every multinational corporation in Israel. Every, it, none of this makes any sense. It's all miraculous but it's not slowing down. It's just growing and growing. And so again, the very existence of this entire country and, and, and across all facets of the, of the society here is just one big miracle. The whole thing's a miracle. So then what I'm going to ask you a great question that I don't think I asked any other guests because I see how the conversation is going and it's coming to my brain right now. So we have all these miracles in front of us and you're, you're beautifully through your content, you bring it to everyone's attention how do we keep it? Like, how do we not ruin it this time? You know, there are so many times in our history where it just went right. plummeted. Right. What, what, you know what, what? What, what, what do we need to do? To what, what is your advice? And like, let's sustain, let's keep it rolling. Like you said, it's not stopping, but it could stop as we all see how the world just stopped with the pandemic in an instant. <laughs> I mean, listen, you know, I'm, I'm an optimistic, positive guy, and I try to have that outlook on life. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm pretty, pretty worried about this. What you're, what you're asking? It's a very good question, and I think, you know, if you look uh, at a theme throughout our history as the Jewish people, one of the biggest downfalls of 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 everything for the Jewish people has always been sinas chinam, hating each other. 
Yeah. Right. And I mean, I'm not going to name names, but, you know, I posted the other day on Instagram about whatever celebrity that retweeted me. And I got, I got slaughtered. Literally a Jewish girl wrote about him. He is a monster. And I wish the worst on him. Like mm. what? Come on. Why? Cause you disagree with his opinions. Like, right. come on, you know? And so it's sad. It's, it's sad and it's scary. And I think that the, unfortunately it, it, it breaks my heart to say this, but we have the opposite of unity right now in the Jewish people. And I don't, and I, I don't know what happened with the students of Rabbi Akiva and how bad it was back then, but I can't imagine it was any worse than it is today. I mean, you know, I am the, I am the recipient of so much hatred, so much anti-Semitism, and even unfortunately from Jewish people self-hating, you know, and it's, it's very, very, it's very, very sad. I don't think, you know, we appreciate what we have. And by the way, this is not only a Jewish thing. I think as humanity, we're just the most entitled generation. We just think we deserve everything and we're not grateful for what we have. And so for me as an individual, I can only do what I can do. And so for me, you know, I do these morning gratitude lists and I don't take opening my eyes in the morning for granted because it's a miracle. And so, you know, I just think if you'd ask me for the solution, there's only one solution and it's, it's a hard one and it's called re-education. It's called educating children to appreciate what they have Instead of focusing, like you said, on the negativity, there are, you know, there are negative things in life. No one's going to deny that, but it's all a question of perspective. And, you know, I, I, I say this all the time and it's, it's just a beautiful, it's such a profound thought that is so trivial, you know, and if, if you're listening to this and you just think of it, what I'm about to say on the surface, you'll be like, obviously, but if you actually internalize what I'm about to say, it might change your life. And that is all anxiety in life, right? All anxiety comes from one place. There's one source of all anxiety, and that is the thought that something one day will happen and I will not be okay. That's it. Everything, whether it's sickness, whether it's someone dying, whether it's losing your job, the thought that someday something is going to happen and I will not be okay, that is the source of all anxiety. I heard this from someone who said, wait a second, you're a rational, logical person. So let's dissect this, okay? Hillel Fold, you are 43 years old. You've had challenges in life and you're okay, you're here. So what evidence do you have to support the claim that someday something is going to happen and you won't be okay? You're okay, and so you'll be okay, right? It's all about perspective. It's all about things are going to happen, right? There's no such thing as a person that doesn't struggle. Things are gonna happen. What are you gonna do with that information? What are you gonna do with that event? That's in your control. The event is gonna happen, that's out of your control. How you react is in your control. So one of my favorite, you know, Divrei Torah that I heard from a rabbi, you know, because I, I went to yeshiva, I went to Jewish school my entire life. I could probably count on two fingers the amount of Divrei Torah that I heard from my rabbis that deeply impacted my life. But here's one of them. I know it's sad, but here's one of them, right? This is the most beautiful thought. We say in the prayer of Aleinu, we say the words, in the sky above and the ground beneath. I, I love this thing. It's changed my life. He said, that's redundant. It could just say the sky and the ground. Why the sky above and the ground beneath? It's, it's redundant, right? He said, things that are in the sky things that are important, spirituality, a relationship with God, always look above and strive to be better. Things that are al-ha'aretz, on the ground, health, wealth, always look under, below, and say, it could be so much worse. It's all about perspective. Everything in life is perspective. So if you want to see miracles, you'll see miracles in everything. If you don't want to see miracles, you'll see miracles in nothing. Perspective. I love it. And I love everything you just said now. But, um, you know, it's interesting that you said that because I just had a live with somebody with Rena Deitch on, on Sunday. And we were talking about see good, say good. 
But then she brought this mushal, this example that just really resonated with me. And I'm going to share because when you started talking, it just brought it up again. She said, it's as if like when we were in school and you had those textbooks and you have to highlight what's important for, for studying. And sometimes at first when you're highlighting sometimes, well, at least girls for sure. I don't know about boys. Boys aren't always as skilled as taking notes, but we start highlighting everything. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't need all that information. And then you learn to fine tune what you need to highlight and what's important. She says, that's how you should look at life. It's not like the other pages disappear. It's not like different struggles or different things are going on and, and no longer exist, but you learn to take that highlighter and highlight the, the positive things in your life. You learn to appreciate, you learn to focus. And then when you could focus on those items, that's, that's really what's so special. And so that's, you know, like you were saying about Sinachinam uh, uh, and this uh, baseless hatred. I, I, you know, it's, it's so funny. You're just touching on so many things that I just spoke about recently. Just even last week, I gave a class in Teaneck and I had quoted Rabbi Farhi, very cool dude. I, don't, I shouldn't call him a dude. Sorry. Okay. A rabbi. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he spoke about how we always focus on the, the sinachinam, the, the baseless hatred. He said, what about the fact, and I thought, I thought this, this blew my mind. He says, what about the fact that the other friend, right? Bar Kamsa and Kamsa, the other friend who didn't get invited, who was meant to be invited to the, to the wedding, and he didn't show up. He should have showed up. That's really the problem. Meaning it's besides the fact that he invited the wrong person, but the guy who knew they're good friends and he didn't say, oh, give my friend the benefit of the doubt. He must've forgotten to invite me. Let me show up. I'm his good friend. So what Rabbi Fari was saying is that if we should also, like you were also saying, but in a different way, focus on our friendships, put more effort into the unity, put more effort, not just, okay, oh, I, I really had a fight with someone, let me make up. I'm not, that's also good, but sometimes that's really challenging, but take the relationships that we do have right. and make those friendships even better. Make yep. those connections with our children even stronger. Put more love. I, I mean, love. I, I, can, I can only recommend just on a very practical level, really for all your listeners to just, even if you don't publish it, just write yourself a gratitude list every morning. You know, I publish it, but you don't have to publish it. Just like wake up in the morning and literally just sit there in bed before you make your cup of coffee and think to yourself, what am I grateful right now? What am I grateful for right now? So my, my gratitude list literally start with a good night's sleep and a cup of coffee. Right. And then it's opening my eyes in the morning and then it's health and then it's family. And then it's, I mean, I, I, I do 11. And by the way, I, mean, I don't know if I've ever talked about this publicly, but I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm like over dramatizing this, but like for me, like 10 is the normal amount, right? Usually you do like a 10 is a normal list. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to just do 10 because I'm going to do one more to show that it's just endless. There's no, you can't put a, a list on gratitude because it's endless, you know? And it was just a thought that I had literally, it's the first time I ever verbalized it, but yeah, I know. Anyway, I, but, <laughs> very nice. Uh, but no, but the point is really, I mean, it kind of reminds me by the way of like our, our prayers, right? Like how do you describe God? And so th there's, you're not allowed to, um, we're commanded, we're told we have to use the actual language that was given to us in prayer, because once we start using our own adjectives, you're limiting God, right? So same thing with gratitude. But the point is, on a very practical level, I really do fundamentally believe it changes perception. Sit down before you get out of bed in the morning and be like, what a, a miracle. Like, I cannot believe that I'm breathing right now. Do you have an 800? I just heard the statistic. It blew my mind. 800. Yes. 800 million people. Sit down for this, Jordana. 800 million people in 2022 do not have running water in their, in their, where they live. 800 million people don't have running water. It's like, 
We're sitting here on fast internet, zooming, like what? 800 million, I, I don't know if that's, I, I heard it from someone, maybe it's not true, but that's not the point. Whether it's 800 or 100 or 50 people in the whole world, I don't care. There are people in the world who don't have running water. Like how could we not be grateful for what we have? It's just, it's, it's absurd. It is absurd that we live life and all we do is complain. Like it's just, hello, do you understand how good you have it? And again, that, that video, I mean, it's just, it's my favorite video on the internet. Like it has hundreds of millions of views. I'm guaranteed, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that 99% of those views are me because I've watched it a thousand times. <laughs> but like it's Louis C.K. and he says, everything's amazing and nobody's happy, right? It's such a hilarious video because it is so spot on. He says, you know, when I was growing up, he says, we used to have rotary phones. You used to like turn and make sparks. And he goes like, people that had zeros in the number, you hated them because you had to turn more, right? Mm-hmm. He goes, today we're on our cell phones and we're like, oh, it's not moving fast. He's like, dude, it's going to space. Would you give it a second to come back from space, right? <laughs> and he's like, we just think we deserve everything. Like, oh my, he, this is the funniest thing. He goes, and this is so spot on, right? We've all heard the people coming back from like, you know, international flight. And they're like, oh my God, they delayed the flight for four hours. And then I sat on the runway for 40 minutes. It's disgusting. And you're like, Really? Really? And then what'd you do? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight? Like, what is wrong with you? Perspective, you know? But, but that's, that's humanity. We take things for granted. And it's our responsibility, I think, as human beings to not do that, to not take it for granted. And like, sit down with yourself and think to yourself, oh my God, I am not dying. Oh my God, I am breathing. Oh my God, I have good coffee in the morning. Like, these things that we take as trivial things, they are not trivial and we need to stop being so entitled right. i mean everything's a miracle everything so i think i think that's that's a great way to uh summarize everything so going to hillel's gratitude list even though he's saying you can make your own gratitude list if you go on his posts you can add to his gratitude list because he always ends it with a question what are you grateful for so you do that i do <laughs> awesome i do so it really so that it's like a little prompt so if you're having difficulty um, writing your own gratitude list, you could go to Hillel's and see what he writes about it. Maybe it'll give you a little prompt. So Hillel- I do want to say one more thing, though, Judana, if I may. Sure, sure, sure. I, know we, I just want to say one thing. And, and you know, I'm not saying this because you just spent half this podcast flattering me and so I'm flattering you back. But I will say that is the foundation for your entire concept of drinking in. Right. Right. I mean, these fish are in the in the they don't need to put their they don't need rain. They're, they're surrounded by it. But they, they want to drink it in. They want more. They want to appreciate rain. Right. So, I mean, I think it's we're very in sync in terms of perspective on life. Oh, thank you. Thank you. you like that. How did I do? That was cool, right? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> you just warmed my heart. So many people are always so lost on why it's called Drink It In. So I so appreciate that. Thank you. Hello. So if somebody wants to connect with you, what I know there are so you are on so many platforms, but what is the best way if somebody wants to connect with you? Hello. Truly, truly anywhere. I mean, hellofold.com is, I guess there's, there's a form there. If you want to send me to my website, you want to tweet at me at, at Hillsfold, you want to Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, literally anywhere and everywhere. Uh, you know, anybody that's ever written me in any format and any platform knows that I respond in an OCD manner, literally instantly. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, you know, hit me up anywhere. Okay. Thank you so much, Hill, for coming on to the podcast and being part thank of Thank you for having me. I've been a fan for a long time. Very honored to be here. My pleasure. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. And why don't you go check out this other fun Jewish female podcaster? 
Hi, I'm Francisca, host of the Francisca Show podcast. Would you like to hear stories from your everyday firm person, as well as therapists and other experts about the dynamics of balancing both the Jewish Orthodox and the human experience life? Then check out my show, The Francisca Show Podcast, with over 200 episodes out and a new one every week. You can access entertaining and behind-the-scenes stories where I give a voice to Jewish issues around women's topics, sexuality, halacha, culture, and family. It's the F-R-A-N-C-I-S-K-A Show. See you there.